Well, praise the Lord. I stand redeemed. Amen. Can you imagine one day standing before our wonderful Lord and looks at you and me, he sees our Savior, Jesus Christ. His nail-scarred hands, his riven side. My friend, I want you to know the blood of Jesus Christ is what makes the difference. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Appreciate that song. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Exodus chapter 4. I had all intentions of a different message for tonight. I had the, a lot of the points already laid out and was working on them. And I came back on Saturday morning and having my devotions. And... God just kind of changed my path and directions, and we shoved that aside and began to work on a different message and actually kind of a strange message. I said, well, preacher, you're strange. We understand that. <laughs> you know, wait till I get done preaching tonight. You really think I'm strange, amen? But the fact is, is that uh, so many times God redirects in his word, showing us what he wants us to have. And I've seen something that I'd, and Lord brought to mind, and I'd seen it before, but I just passed over it, and, and the Lord brought it back and began to work in my heart and, and show me some things that I felt like that, that we needed. Exodus chapter 4, and begin verse 18, says, And Moses went up, or went and returned to Jethro. He had seen the, let me back up, he'd seen this uh, bush that was on fire, the, the fiery bush that was burning. And as he approached to look at the bush, the Lord spoke to, to Moses out of that, that bush that was on fire and, and uh, the burning bush. And he told him, he said, uh, take off thy shoes from uh, the ground that thou standest on. It's holy ground. Can I tell you something tonight? Any ground where the presence of God is, is holy ground. Amen. Amen. Any ground. It doesn't, hey, listen, it's not, it's not this building necessarily. It's wherever the presence of God is, that's holy ground. Amen. It can be in your truck driving down the road and God can get in there. Whoo, boy, it can get thick. Amen. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's holy ground when you get in the presence of God. And boy, I'll tell you what, I praise the Lord for that. Anyway, the Lord began to deal with him and talk to him and to tell him he wanted him to lead the children of Israel out of out of Egypt, and, and so he goes through all his, uh, Moses goes through his excuses why he can't, Lord shows him why he can, and, and directs him, and, and uh, is now preparing him to go to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out, and in verse 18 again, he says, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether there be, whether they yet be alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, is, uh, in, uh, And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Of course, we know the rod of God, the Lord used it to show him some great miracles and and so forth uh, throughout the, the, the time that Moses led the children of Israel. And, and it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine heart. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not lead the pe or, so he shall not let the people go. 
And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And Zephorah uh, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. The strange part here in this portion of Scripture is those last three verses. We see here something that a lot of people just read over real quick and go on and move on. And God began to speak to my heart about this. And I want, to, I want to, you to look again there. And verse 24 through 26 says, And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Sought to kill who, preacher? Moses. Moses. Sought to kill him. We'll deal with that in a minute. And Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Let who go? Let Moses go. Who's the he? The angel of God. Let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, We Dare Not Leave Certain Things Undone. We dare not leave certain things undone. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, what a, a blessing it is. And we think about the song that Matt just sang. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Who has the nail scars in his hands and his feet. A ribbon side. Lord, as I stand before you, I stand not in my own righteousness, but I stand in that of my Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We love you. And Lord, we want to praise you and lift you up. And Lord, I pray that even tonight that this place would be a place like that that Moses stood on, where the presence of God is, holy ground. Have your will and way, Lord. Give us something, Lord, that will help us, strengthen us. Hide me behind the cross. Magnify my Savior, Jesus Christ. And glorify thy name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As we go back, we find that Moses, as a friend of God, and he was, he was a friend of God. But as a friend of God, he, uh, God directs him to, from the burning bush to go and lead the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. But then we find that this very strange portion of Scripture, 24 through 26 there, where the happenings of it, Moses goes to do what the Lord is telling him to do. And all of a sudden you read the verse, verse 24, that God is about to kill him. It seems strange. Here the Lord has spoke to him out of the burning bush. He said, I'm going to send you. I want you to go. And he, they had the argument back and forth. Moses said, I'm not eloquent speak and all that. And the Lord said, who made the mouth? Who, you know, and, and, all, on, and the tongue and, and so forth. And he goes on. And he said, I'll even give you Aaron. And, you, and you'll put words in his mouth. But I'll put words in yours to give to him. And you can go. And you tell him that I am the I am. And now as 
Moses has stepped out. He goes back to Jethro. He says, the Lord has told me basically that I need to go back to Egypt. I need to go check on my, my, my family, see if they're still alive. And God has a plan for me basically. And Jethro says, go. He takes his wife and his two boys, puts them on a, on a donkey, and heads out. They get to their lodging place. And the angel of the Lord comes into the presence to kill Moses. Now, wait a minute, preacher, this don't sound right yet. God just sent him, and he's doing what God told him to do. And I looked at that as I was going through my devotion time. I'd read the uh, each year I, I, I read through, I read completely through the Bible, and I'd started back over again. I'd read through it, and I started back over, and I, I was in this place and reading. Oh, boy, I just, it just, you know, something just jumped out at me, and I, I just thought, wow. Everything that the Lord places in His Word is there for a reason. There's no mistakes in the Word of God. He has a plan. He has a, uh, for you and I, and He wants us to understand it's not there just for history's sake either. But it's there for our admonition for us to learn from, to take and drive it home through the Spirit of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, says, All Scripture... How much is all? All. <laughs> all of it. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of who? Of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So I believe though this small portion of scripture recorded for us is very strange, it's very important for us too. Otherwise God would have never put it in there. So I want you to look here with me, and we're going to look at a few points and a few things and, and see what the Lord has for us out of these verses. Notice here, God meant to kill him for that which he left undone in his son. For that which he left undone in his son. Verse 24 says, And it came to pass by the way in the inn, where they were lodging, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. He sends an angel, basically. It might be Jesus. The Lord met with him in some form or fashion there and has taken a hold of him. Say, how do you, how do you know he took hold of him? Look at verse 26. So he let him go. So he had a hold of him. And he was about to take his life. He was about to kill him. I don't know. Some, I've read, I, I began to do some reading and digging, and, and some people think that maybe he had him, uh, he was sick and, and about to die from some type of whatever, and, and uh, they knew that it was the hand of the Lord. Come here. I'm going I'm to show you what I, I think it was. I think he had him. And I think he's about to kill him. You was wanting to fight, wasn't you? <laughs> Scared, me <laughs> Scared you a little bit? <laughs> Big boy. <laughs> Mama needs to cut your cornbread out, buddy. <laughs> God had a hold of him. I believe that all my heart. I think he just took a hold of him. With the intent. To kill him. That seems so strange, as we said, because he was on his way to do the will and the bidding of God. 
but it was because of his son. What he left undone. Moses had not circumcised his son. Though he himself had been circumcised when he was in Egypt according to the law of God that was given to Abraham, that was an ordinance given to the children of Israel. A lot of people get nervous when you start talking about, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong. This is the, 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 the spiritual setting apart by God that he did this in the children of Israel. In Genesis chapter 17, we find it there. It says in, in verse 12, it says, And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generation, he that is born in the house or bought with money, or any stranger which is not, the seed, is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Now listen to what else it says. And the uncircumcised man, child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Here's Moses. He's in the land of Midian. He failed to follow the word of God in this and, and now was about to go and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was going to be their leader. He was going to be the one that would stand between them and God. He was the one that was going to give the ordinances of God to them. He was the one that was going to give the commands of God to them. And yet he had left undone this, which some might think is a minor thing, but not in the eyes of God. He said it was a covenant. He said that it was important. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So preacher, why is this so important? Number one, because God had commanded him to do it. That's enough right there. I shouldn't have to go on, but I'm going to give you some others. But the very first thing is God had commanded all the children of Israel. Could I remind you that Moses was born in Egypt, but he was an Israelite. Yeah, but preacher, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He may have been raised in Pharaoh's house. But when he was young, he, for several months, his mother... Uh, took care of him and raised him and, and nursed him. And even after he was put in the basket and, and put out into the river and, and the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter came and, and found him, she returned him to what she thought was just one of the, uh, the Israelite ladies that could nurse him and take care of him. Well, she had him for quite a while and raised him up until he was older because she nursed him. But I guarantee you that on the eighth day, he was circumcised. Goes all the way back to Abraham. Remember why is, why is Israel in Egypt? Because of Joseph. They're there and, and now they've followed all these years. They've followed the laws of God and, and no doubt. You say, well, then he was moved to the palace. Yes, but he knew that he was an Israelite. He may have been schooled in the things of, of the Egyptians, but he still 
was schooled and knew about and no doubt checked out and found out things about his, his native people, the, the Israelites. He knew he was an Israelite. Remember, he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand because he was uh, whipping and beating uh, an Israelite. And so he had knowledge of the things of God, even though he had been brought up in the palace of Egypt. He's been gone for a while. But can I tell you something? Though you've been gone for a while, it doesn't change the command of God. And so he had left it undone. He hadn't followed the command of God. Not only had it was because God had commanded it, it was setting apart from the rest of the world. That if you study out why that that rite or ritual or whatever you want to call it is actually a covenant if you want to really get down to it. It's the sealing of a covenant between God and God's people. It's an agreement. It's like this. Today, you know, and we don't do this so much anymore. This, in, in days gone by, this was a sealing of a contract right here. A covenant is a contract. Today, we sign a paper and somebody's watching it and they've got a notary seal and they put a seal on it. They sign it. They put their, their, their uh, identification on there that they are a legal notary, that they've seen the contract. And what they're saying is this is a binding contract between these people. The covenant of God between God and Israel, Jacob. Israel and Abraham was circumcision. And it was the same as saying it is a contract between us. You keep up your end of the deal. And the seal of it was the circumcision of all the Israeli Israelites when they was eight days old. Okay? We can go into, and we can go into different things about it. I'm not going into all of it. But it was a covenant, it was a seal, it was a contract that God would bless Israel, that God would protect Israel, that God would always be with Israel, that God would do what He said He would do if they would do what He told them to do. It was a covenant. And so therefore, Moses had broke the covenant. He broke the covenant. He hadn't circumcised those boys is a covenant with God and Moses, and he had broken it. It was also that setting apart from the rest of the world. And God, when he made that covenant with Abraham, it was to distinguish between Abraham and God's seed, Abraham's seed, for the rest of the world to see. It was a setting apart. Now, here's Moses. He hasn't done it. He's like the rest of them around him. He hasn't taken that step. Can I say as our title, he's left it undone. He's left it undone. It was required for the blessings of the Lord. You see, what many Christians consider non-essential in the Christian life, God still says it's essential. 
We live in a day and time when a lot of Christians say, oh, that's old-fashioned, old that's, that's back in, you know, grandma and grandpa, great-grandma and grandpa's day. That, that, don't, that don't apply today. Can I tell you something? God's covenant doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. The righteousness of God doesn't change. And so we call it non-essential. Oh, if they want to, that's fine, but no big deal. God says, wait a minute. It's essential. And many times today, Christians are letting things go undone in their lives that God says, hey, listen, no, you don't leave it undone. Moses had possibly yielded his convictions to Zipporah, his wife. You got to go back and do a little studying about Zipporah and the family and who she is and, and different things of that nature. We think that, you know, and I'm not saying Zipporah was a bad lady. Don't give me, that's not what I'm saying. But you have to understand Zipporah's raising, who she was, where she was raised, what she was taught, what she was brought up under. So we find here that there, there's three things I want you to look at and understand here. She was a Midianite, not an Israelite. She was a Midianite, not an Israelite. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 16 it says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. And when they came to rule their father, he said, uh, How is it that ye have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flocks. He said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave, and he gave Moses, Zipporah, his daughter. He was a Midianite. He was the priest of Midian. He was a Midianite. Goes on and says, And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. There's some things I want you to understand here. So her raising was not that of an Israelite. She was raised as a Midianite. Often the Midianites were idol worshipers. They weren't the worshipers of the God of heaven. Okay, so she was around that. She was, that had been induced into her life. That covenant, by the way, of circumcision wasn't between the Midianites and God. It was between God and the Israelites. So nobody else did it. Nobody else did it. And so therefore, she, did not, she was not raised under that. Secondly, she apparently thought that circumcision... Was, to, was cruel to her child and probably withstood Moses when the child was born on this issue of circumcision. I can understand that. When you think about it, you've never been, you've never been around that. You've never been taught anything about that. And, and all of a sudden, here uh, 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 a child's born and, and the father says, this is what we need to do. And I can see a mama going, I don't think so. <laughs> Not to my son. And I can see her withstanding him. Why? She's not been raised that way. 
She didn't have an understanding about the covenant between Israel and God. She didn't understand that. She was a Midianite. She was raised around a different standard. She was raised around a different culture. She was raised around something that in, in, in many instances was, uh, she's seen a lot. I'm not saying that, uh, that Jethro, uh, which is called rule there, also the, the priest of Midian was a wicked man. I'm not saying that he was a, a worshiper of idols. We don't know that for certain because later on we see him coming and giving some good advice unto unto Moses later on, but the fact is is that they were Midianites. They were idol worshipers. If you go on through the scripture, you'll find that the Midianites, many times, they, boy, they, they held a, a, an upper hand over Israel and, and they led them astray many times out into idolatry, uh, worshiping idols and away from God. And so... Probably her thinking was, this is a strange deal, and no, we're not going to do this. Notice her thought on it. Verse 25, the last part of that verse there. And said, surely a bloody husband art thou to me. Surely a bloody husband thou art to me. She said, this is cruel. This is, this is bloody. This is, this is crazy. You know, we got to be careful. We must be careful that we don't lower our stand on God's word just to please someone else. We've got to stand strong. Another possible problem is that Moses himself, living in a strange land, began to lose his stand because no one else stood where he did. We find here in, in, in chapter 2, we find in verse 22, it says, For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Mean there were strange things, and he was a stranger there, and things were different than the way he was raised. Things were different than the way he believed, and he was a stranger. He was not accustomed to their customs. Can I tell you something? Hey, listen, you get, it, you get around the wrong crowd, and you live in the wrong place, and you stay away from a, a good Bible-preaching church and get away from, I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care how strong a Christian you are. You, you, if you don't stay in a good, strong preaching church, if you don't stay around the Bible, you're going to get pulled down. You're going to get pulled away from the things of God. I'm talking about this preacher. I'm talking about everybody in this room. When we begin to drift into the world and begin to look at the things before long, that which we know is right begins to become non-essential. We begin to shove it aside little piece by little piece. And before long, we're so far out there that we don't even realize what we have shoved aside in our Christian life. Today, we find so many Christians that are in churches that, that really don't preach anything, really don't stand on the Bible, really don't stand on living for God. They, they, they generally are after a feel-good, happy type of service to make you really feel good when you walk out those doors. Can I tell you, sometimes that's good. I like those services. I like it when we're praising God and lifting him up and a shout or two once in a while. I like that. If it's honoring God, if it's lifting him up. But you know what? Sometimes just knowing that God's met with us brings conviction in our hearts and lives. And it's like, ow. Mm. Ouch. 
And sometimes we've got to realize that's what we need more than anything else. Is that God moving our hearts and lives because that's what makes us stronger in Him. As He corrects things and changes things. But my friend, I want you to know something. Just like Moses, if, if we begin to get away from, from uh, the, the things, our teaching, if we begin to get away from uh, uh, the Word of God, if we begin to get away from a, a strong church, if we get away from a strong uh, Bible standing family, my friend, listen what's going to happen. We can see it all over uh, this country. You can take a child that that uh, has been raised in, in a good godly Christian home, maybe raised in a Christian school, and they get out here, they get a job, and before long, uh, the next thing you know, you got to be careful because the uh, next thing you know, they're, they may be dating the world a little bit out there. They may be a good person, pretty good, but they're not really in there. And next thing you know, they're drifting away here and there, and seldom do you see them in church. Before long, the next thing you find out, that their kids no longer, they're not getting the Bible teaching at home. They're not getting what they need in, in the Lord. And, and before long, you're great grandkids and your great grandkids no longer believe in God that's where we're at that's right preacher that's the way it is it is it's not popular and it hurts But I think this must have happened to Moses a little bit. Because he hadn't followed through with the covenant of God. He hadn't followed through with what the Lord wanted him to do. Well, we need to stand with the word of God. No matter who agrees with it or, or, or where we are or who we're around, we need to stand with the word of God. We then see the amends to change that which was left undone. He hadn't taken care of this. He had left it undone in his life. We find that the Lord come to, to kill him because of it. Verse 25 says, Then Porah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and, sh and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. As we already demonstrated, apparently Moses was held by God and was unable to do it himself to circumcise the child. It appears that what took place is being held there and about to take his life. Uh, Zipporah jumps into action, you might say, knowing what is needed to be done herself. She had heard it from Moses. He had spoken it, but he had never followed through. Can I tell you, sometimes we know it. We might even talk about it, but we leave it undone. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. Left it undone. And now we see that Zipporah herself takes action to amend the problem. I believe that since Zipporah is the wife of Moses... They're one. I believe that. I believe with all my heart. And should be on the same spiritual side concerning the things of God. Can I meddle just a moment? Husbands, wives. When you got married, you become one flesh, the Bible says. Therefore, you need to be on the same spiritual page 
I'm not saying the same spiritual level. Lord knows my wife is up here, I'm down here. But we should be on the same page in agreeance that God goes first and that we obey his word, whatever it is. They're one flesh. In fact, we find over in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. One flesh. The Lord's working in Zephora's life here, I believe, also. To bring about a change in her that will also cause Moses to stand where he's supposed to stand in the days ahead when he brings the word of God to the people of Israel. You see, it takes a team. It takes husband and wife together. And so I believe that it was as much for Zephora as it was for Moses that day to understand the importance of that covenant that they had left undone. And I believe it is in our homes, in our marriages, in our moms and dads, and in our grandparents that we understand the importance of the covenant with God, the Word of God. You say, what is the covenant of God for us today, preacher? Right here. Bible I can go over in Scripture talks about how that we are set apart by being saved in Jesus Christ. That once wrong was made right, the Lord forgave, and, and that started the journey of Moses' walk with the Lord in great power and blessing. And we know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. But it didn't start that way. It started with Moses just about being killed because he left something undone in his family, in his life. Something that God said, it's essential. The covenant of God. The Word of God. You see, we're to be cautious not to leave that which, is, that which we know undone we find a similar passage somewhat in Matthew chapter 23. It's also recorded in Luke. It says, Woe one, in verse 23, Matthew 23 and verse 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. He says, these ought to have been done and not to leave the other undone. He said, there's all kinds of things that you're doing, but you're leaving some of the most important things, the, the weightier things, the more important things. He said, you're leaving them undone. You're not following through. If you was to say, oh, we're going we're gonna to make some biscuits, we're going to have biscuits and, um, and uh, honey and butter. Boy, we're going to have some hot biscuits. going to bring them out. Boy, we're just going to have some great biscuits. And you get all that. I don't know what you put in, in those biscuits. I, you know, all that stuff. My wife makes them biscuits. I, I don't know what goes in them. You say, well, my wife does, does it the easy way. I mean, my wife does that once in a while, too. That's nothing wrong with that. 
Well, she makes, she makes them too. And you put all that stuff in there, and you got cereal very, you know, and all that stuff, and mixing it, making flour fly everywhere and stuff. Gets them out and flattens it out there, and she gets that cutter, and boy, she cuts some things, and she lays them in the pan. I guess she butters the pan and whatever, and she lays them in there. You see, I don't make biscuits. I do the tot when I make them. And if that's all she did, and we walk in, Hunter and I walk in, and said, man, just can't wait to cut into all them biscuits, spread that butter on there, get that honey down, put that honey on. Oh, man, it's going to be so good. And we walk in there, and they're sitting on the table. Oh, you got the biscuits? I said, there they are. She never put them in the oven. They were left undone. You can put all the butter you want and honey on them, but they're not going to be that good. They're going to taste like bacon soda or bacon powder or whatever, and salt. Now, if it's cookie dough, we're in good shape. <laughs> we'll eat that, Amen. But a biscuit, mm, not the greatest in the world. Left undone. Many of us have all the ingredients to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we put some of them together, but we leave them undone. We wonder why the blessings aren't there. And we wonder why the power of God's not there. And we wonder why we go through some of the difficulties and the struggles that we go through. It's because God said, hey, wait a minute, I made a covenant with you through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to live for me. And I want you to follow me. I want you to do that which I've told you to do. The Lord goes on here in, in, in Matthew 23, and he, he makes this statement also. He said, these ought, these ought ye to have done and not to, let, to leave the other undone. And the very next two verses go with this. They're not separated. It says, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. He said, You pick out the, these little bee things, and boy, you, you get that gnat out of that there, that water, boy, you strain at that thing, get that, oh man, that little gnat. He said, And you'll swallow a camel. He said, you, you, you take care of the little things, but the big things, he said, you're leaving them undone. He goes on, verse 25 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within are full of extortions and excesses. It'd be like this cup right here. You look at that, and it's nice and clean. Boy, look at that water dripping off that. Nice and clean. But maybe you can't see the inside. But there might be wiggle, wiggle tails in there. There might be fungus in there. There might be mud in there. There might be uh, dead flies and crickets and everything else inside there. Full of rottenness. But you can't see it on the outside. And everybody says, boy, look at that fresh cup of water up there. Boy, good and clean. Man, I'm, I'm thirsty. Boy, look at that. It's, ice is melting. Boy, it's getting nice and, and it's just dripping off of there. Oh, boy, that just... <clears throat> Gotta get that fly out of there. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> but you can't see what's on the inside, but everything on the outside looks good. We're pretty good as Christians doing that. 
But the most important part to me is not the outside of the cup. When I take up, pick up that, that thing, and I know a few of you that would try to put stuff in my cup, Joanne. <laughs> the most important thing is what's inside that cup. The condition of that water. What's in that water. That's the most important thing. It's okay. This I, I like picking up a clean cup. I don't like, you know, I want something that's got grease rubbed all over the outside. You've been changing the, your motor oil or greasing the, uh, you know, the, the car or something. You come in here, oh, it's raking all over that. But the most important thing is what's on the inside. He said, wait a minute. He said, your life and my life, sometimes we put on a pretty good front outside and it looks pretty good. He said, you know what, on the inside, what's the inside like? You've left that undone. You're taking care of the outside. You can talk a good talk. You can, you can look good in front of everybody. You can carry your Bible and, and do all that sort of stuff and, 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 and sing pretty and talk pretty and, 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 and know how to say praise the Lord once in a while and, and look pretty good on the outside. He said, what about the inside? Have you left it undone? Is the inside left undone? Sometimes we let those things go in our spiritual lives that may not be seen on the outside by man, but the Lord knows the heart. We may know how to paint the outside, but what about the spiritual walk with the Lord on the inside? You see, it may be that prayer time that's left undone. I can't see your prayer time. You can't see my prayer time. But God knows. God knows. Is it being left undone in our lives? It may be that obedience to tell someone about the Lord, uh, which the Spirit of God has told us to do so. It may be on the inside that the Lord's saying, uh, I want you to go to such and such person. And I want you to give them a gospel track. I want you to tell them about me. I want you to invite them to church, whatever it might be. Or maybe go pray with them. Or maybe go be an encouragement. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is leading on the inside. And if you leave it undone, guess what? Nobody else is going to be the wiser. Nobody's going to know, are they? Nobody knows if God laid it on your heart to go tell somebody about Him or to invite them to church or to pray with them or to encourage them or whatever. Nobody else is going to know that. And so as long as you don't say anything, you leave it undone, the outside looks pretty good. It might be reading your Bible. That you're just reading words, not really interested in getting anything out of it. Just so you can say, well, I read my Bible today. Looks good. Somebody walks by, you see your Bible in your hand, you're reading. And it came to pass, well, I wonder if the Cardinals won. Oh, they're meditating, look at them. I wonder if Yachty hit a home run today. Hmm. Came to pass. 
on the morrow. Oh, tomorrow, boy, that'd be a good day to go fishing. It's going to be pretty weather. Hmm. We laugh, but we can leave it undone. We can get in here and read and God begin to deal with our heart about something in the scripture. Or maybe the preacher gets up and preaches about something. God deals with our heart about it. Or maybe you're just walking and the Holy Spirit of God just begins to speak and deal with your heart. And now, and we leave it undone. You see, for me to stand here and to make a list of things that would be un left undone in your life and my life, that's an impossibility because there's so many things that could be left undone. And we as individuals, there's individual things that God will deal with us about that He wants us to do with in our lives and to serve Him and to follow Him and to be obedient. It may be some sin in our life. It may be something that is not necessarily so much a sin, but maybe it's keeping us from living for the Lord like we ought to, and He's trying to get that out of our life, and we're leaving it undone. Maybe it's that next step in, in, of faith in, in, in an area of your life that He wants you to take that step, but you're leaving it undone. Whatever it is, he deals and works. And if we're not careful, like Moses, we leave it undone. On and on goes that list. James chapter 4, again, I read it once, but therefore to him that knoweth do good and doeth it not, to him is sin. Moses learned well that day. And it was a lesson that Moses never, ever ever, ever, ever forgot. You read through the account of Moses leading the children of Israel and he did not leave things undone. And he did not back away from God's word. No matter what they said, no matter how bitterly they talked to him, no matter how if they talked about killing him, no matter what they said, no matter how, what direction they went, Moses continued on for the Lord. So much so that his life impacted another man to be the same way. Joshua chapter 11 and verse 15 says, As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant... So did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. And listen to this. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord, had, all that the Lord commanded Moses. He left nothing undone. I mean down to the little things, to the big things. I can't tell you what it is in your life that possibly, and I don't, I'm not saying that there is, but boy, well, some reason in my devotion time that, and I know it was probably for me more than anybody else, is God speaking to me, and he did, about leaving things undone in my spiritual life. And I go back to that blood covenant. That saved my soul. Amen. That has made a change that he talked, to, that he sung about in my life.
And I must look at that and say there's a covenant of God to me through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. I must not leave things undone. You say, preacher, do you think God will come and take a hold of us like he did Moses to kill us? I'm not going to say do that. But can I tell you something? When you leave things undone in your life, you will die spiritually. There'll be a deadness come into your life spiritually. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm saying deadness. You just don't care. You drift away. You fall away from the things of God. When you begin to leave things undone in your spiritual life, little by little you begin to drift away. And yes, there's a death. It may not be a physical death, but it sure can be a deadness in your life as a Christian. Why is there churches many times today sitting with deadness? The Spirit of God's not moving. There's not an excitement about the Lord. There's not a stirring in the preaching. There's not a stirring in the soul. A deadness has set in. Why? We've left the things of God undone. We've breached the covenant. Let us search our hearts continually, day in, day out. Not just tonight, but every day. Lord, is there, what is it in my life? Say, preacher, how, how would I know? Is there, how would I know for some? I'll, I'll show you how. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be in your will. And I want you to reveal anything and everything in my life that you want to do and change. And then, Lord, help me to do it. He's not going to dump the whole truckload on you. Because you couldn't handle it and I couldn't handle it. But a piece by piece, the first step with Moses, take care of this, your son. As you go on, you'll see different things in Moses' life that God did to bring him where he needed to be. Don't leave those things undone. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for the mercies of God and the goodness of God. And Lord, I pray now that you'd help us to get a clear understanding. Lord, may we, when we discover something of the Lord that's left undone, may we get it right and may we get it done for your honor and glory. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. May you be glorified, Lord, even in this invitation. And may we exalt you for this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?